what are you doing for others? Mm. That ends up being the most valuable question you can ask. And, um, mm. and it's a hard question because <laughs> you do need to take care of yourself. You do need to make sure you're finding value in what you're doing for yourself. But, but how does it connect to helping others? And I think that is the advice I hear again and again from people I really trust and admire. Time could really be something, if, if we don't manage it right, it could really be something against us. Oh, I think it causes a lot of trouble in a our society yeah, for emotional issues, for physical issues. If you feel like you don't have enough time to get the things you do, you need to get done during the day. You, you sacrifice your sleep. You sac- sacrifice your friendships, your relationships for it. And that's a really important, I won't call it a lesson. It's just something we have to relearn again and again and again. What's important? What's our priority? And time, while it's incredibly valuable, uh, it should not be our priority. The priority is the, the person across the table from you. It's the person next to you um, at, on, the, on the bench, on the soccer field. It's the, the people you care about. Those are the priority. And, and, you know, the purpose that you find. And once, once you find those connections to be strong and you keep working at making those strong, I think you, you let go a little bit of that sense of time being a burden. When you, when you can kind of avoid feeling like you have to do everything, there's so much out there, and just take it one bite at a time, and, uh, and it's going to be awesome. <laughs> when it's you scary get. times, you know. It's scary to quit. <laughs> scary to make sacrifices. Yeah, but it's it's essential. Hello and welcome back to the Bigger Picture Podcast. I am your host, Shannon Zhao, and today I am very lucky to be joined by Mr. Reader, um, who has been here for 23 years, who's been the boys' varsity crew head coach for 21 seasons, the department chair for science for over seven years, and also is a physics and geology teacher. And you've also taught many other subjects too, right? I have, uh, yeah, I've been uh, a science and, and sometimes a math teacher here for, for since 99. Ah, okay. So, well, first of all, welcome to the studio. And uh, thank you. I'm really grateful to to have you. We've been playing this for a long time. Yeah. And uh, let's jump straight into it. So we've had many discussions. And I think one thing that was very fascinating is this discussion on time. Yeah. And time is something that you would say sort of connects everything that you teach, right? Or not not only teach, but everything that you do sort of in some ways. So what's so fascinating about time? Well, as a physics teacher, you know, we measure time all the time, all the time. Uh, <laughs> we're doing those kinds of measurements a lot in the lab. And mm-hmm. so we have all these different tools to measure time that are mm-hmm. kind of fun. You know, kids mm-hmm. start out with the stopwatches and mm-hmm. trying to measure their own reaction time, measure, mm-hmm. measure the time to run down a hundred meter track. But then we get into the, the more um, fancy equipment with uh, mm-hmm. the CPO timers and they can measure time down to the 10,000th of a second. So we can mm. be really exact in our measurements of time. Yeah. I think what time I, is sort of um, a crucial thing that, of physics uh, because, you know, math is sort of just numbers, but but physics brings in this concept of unit, and then time is sort of one of the most essential units. 
you know, or else it would just be sort of vague things. You know, and how do we define time? You know, like if yeah. you look into it, the idea that they're measuring the oscillations of a certain, I think it's a cesium atom and the number of oscillations that it has uh, is, is what we define it because we're trying to be as accurate and careful as possible. And speaking of which, do you happen to know how did time originate? Do you know, sort of, so did just that's one person just say, okay, one, two, okay, that's going to be a second and there's going to be 60 seconds? I don't know. Yeah, that's a great <laughs> question. Actually, you mentioned 60 seconds. I think that's important because um, certainly I think it has something to do with our solar calendar and the yeah. idea that, um, you know, you have this cycles of the moon and cycles yeah. of the, the sun, uh, this originated with the Greeks, right? Maybe or even the Babylonians, Babylonians, going back to the Persians okay. or Indian mathematicians. Uh, uh -huh. Certainly, the number system—the six, you know, sixty seconds in a minute, sixty minutes in an hour—is mm -hmm. not something that I think our Western way of looking at things. We you know we like the number ten, mm hence -hmm. the metric yeah. system. Yeah. But they were tying it more to I think solar calendar and and mm -hmm. certainly three hundred and sixty degrees. So. So, yeah, the, I think time has been something that um, ancient peoples around the world were interested and looked mm -hmm. in. But I don't think it was as carefully defined. I think it was a more fluid concept. Mm -hmm. And it certainly still is a really fluid concept Definitely. in our own lives, you know. So, so it's just interesting. I think time, uh, the longer I'm here, the more time I'm here at the school and the sense of time that's elapsed, I start to really, uh, I don't know, get really reflective about uh, what it is we're talking about when we talk about time. Yeah, and I think time is sort of one of the fundamental elements that composes a society because everything's sort of uh, surrounded around time. You know, at certain time, you're doing certain things, yeah. and every day, everyone, you know, ha has has set times, or else the society completely fa fails, you know what I'm saying? Like, at certain times, job starts, certain times, the metro leaves, certain times, your class starts. It's that's sort of how society comes together. Like, without time, there wouldn't be anything. I know that was something that was really important for Einstein when he was looking at train schedules and mm. thinking about how you send information with uh, the railroads because mm. um, a town... 30 minutes down the line, you know, wouldn't know about anything happening where you are mm -hmm. until somebody traveled that distance. And, and, and so having accurate clocks yeah. both there and, and here was really important. It certainly is something that's critical for Western uh, society. I'm not sure other societies needed such careful time clocks. You know, they say, well, we'd like you to show up uh, when the moon, it, when it's the harvest moon or when it's, uh, you know, a certain moon for a different season of the year. Mm -hmm. And you might show up at this, uh, say, down at Turner's Falls. That was an important meeting place for a lot of the, the native mm -hmm. people in this area. It might be a week, you know, that, that people would be waiting around for uh, another group to come and gather. Mm -hmm. um, and that wasn't a big deal. They weren't uh, feeling bored or restless. They had things they could do. They could uh, hunt, hunt in the woods. They could catch fish. Mm -hmm. but, but sooner or later, everybody showed up during that harvest time to celebrate, to intermarry, to, to yeah, trade. Yeah. Uh, so it wasn't quite as rigid, I think. We've made it really, really rigid, rigid. in our society. And especially with later years. Too. I mean, I was thinking, because you mentioned by Harvest Moon, there's this festival um, Chinese festival, moon festival. It's mm. when the moon sort of is the brightest. On it's around September, but um, 
China uses the lunar can calendar, yeah. and so that's sort of what time sort of looked like for China. But I was actually just thinking about this this idea of time because what, what what really is interesting is sort of how universal it is right now. Do you think it always has been like this, or? Oh wow! I don't know. I know for me, just in my own experience, time has shifted uh, as I've grown older. My mm-hmm. sense of time has changed. I think. Uh, Do you I th- think you slowed down, or <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. I don't feel like I don't feel the sense of things accelerating for me. I feel I do mm-hmm. feel like things, like my ability to react uh, to things, has slowed down. Like I don't have the quick reflexes. Mm-hmm. If I ever did, my my <laughs> wife would laugh at me for saying even <laughs> c- contemplating that. But uh, but I do feel a sense that I can anticipate something happening more easily than I. I don't I don't get surprised by things, and I don't know if that's a time issue or if more of just a understanding of the flow of things. Uh, Experience has has changed. Things sort of yeah. calm down. Yeah, but what does I am really interested in is sort of the connection that we have with earlier generations and how that sense of time changes you know like mm-hmm. thinking about the life of a student here at the school mm-hmm. yourself you know being here the last two and a half years three years mm-hmm. uh, uh, thinking of the changes that has happened for you in that time who mm-hmm. you were three years ago who you are now who you will be you know as you go off to college and um, and then thinking of of the the faculty members here here too who might have a career that lasts five years here or 35 years you know we've we've just lost uh uh to retirement some amazing teachers you know just yeah, in, in your time that you've been here you you can think about the teachers that have retired and so for them what was the school like when they arrived thinking 35 years ago when is that that would be the 1990s you know yeah. the the uh, school was in two places there were 1200 1300 kids mm. enrolled at the school um there were buses taking kids back and forth and just you know they're a sense of how the school has changed in their career that sense of time really dramatic changes you know mm-hmm. but then uh thinking going a little further back going back to uh dl moody and you know 145 years ago how much the school has changed and that's the part i'm really interested in is thinking you know, looking back at old pictures, uh, looking back at old documents like Peter Weiss has in the, yeah. the archives. Yeah. But also, um, we have this collection of rocks and minerals and fossils that um, the school has collected over the last 145 years as well. We have dinosaur tracks that mm. were donated from the local area maybe in the 1880s, perhaps, when the mm. school was only 10 years old. Mm-hmm. And just to think about, you know, okay, why would a school like ours, uh, a missionary school, collect these tracks? Uh, mm. What was, what was D.L. Moody, why would D.L. Moody be interested in them? Because his sense of time mm-hmm. was probably based pretty strongly on the Bible, mm. right? And the book of Genesis and the time span that that represented, did, which if I can't remember the, mm. the, um, the exact date, but someone had calculated the exact age of the earth going back several thousand years, maybe um, five or six thousand years, uh, using the the books of the Bible. And, and uh, so his sense of time was the earth was five or six thousand years old. Mm-hmm. But then but then here's these uh, fossils Sci- science, yeah. that are that the school's collecting, these dinosaur tracks, and they're extinct. And so what would what would he have thought about? Like 
now we know those those are creatures that existed not five or six thousand years ago, but much longer, yeah, sixty-five million years, a hundred, mm-hmm. two hundred million years, and that's not even going deeper into the Earth's history and and the record that we have there. So these rocks and fossils are all located in Gilder. Yeah, we have a collection. They were, um, they used to be over on the other campus. So I've been kind of going through these boxes that uh, um, the Northfield School for Girls uh, was uh, really biology. And I think the study of life was Mm -hmm. a really uh, crucial part of their curriculum for a long time. So they have all these fossil ferns and shells. Um, What's fun is to look through the collection and find a little slip of paper Mm -hmm. someone has donated uh, maybe in 1920, they've donated this fossil in honor of their sister who worked at the school as a teacher maybe 10 or 20 years before. Mm. And they leave a little, little note with uh, the, that name. And it's so cool to just kind of get a connection back 100 years to somebody giving yeah. this gift in honor of someone who was at the school 20 years before. Again, that sense of time, that really sense of um, this is a place that has import, been important for people for a really long time. Definitely. So are you managing all of these uh, uh, archaeological Oh, yeah. So that, that, yeah, I I guess what I was trying to um, accomplish with this is we don't, we're not a museum. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, our goal is not to just collect things for the sake of collecting them. Mm -hmm. But we have this collection that uh, had been part of the school for a long time. Mm -hmm. It was packed away in boxes for the last 50 years or so in the basement of Cutler. Mm -hmm. And when we moved out of Cutler, those boxes were discovered again, kind of by happenstance, because it was a room that none of us ever went into. Really? Yeah, it was a a mechanical room in the basement. And so the people going in to work on the steam Mm -hmm. pipes and the heating system. They would see it. They would see it all the time. They saw these old (laughs) ancient boxes of rocks, but... uh, They didn't uh, care that much, though. Well, it's not a matter of caring. I think they were interested, too, because they would talk to me about it. uh, Oh, really? uh, When I I was going through it, once we remembered it, and they said, yeah, yeah, I was always interested in these. I figured you guys knew about it. Uh, (laughs) But there's this... But no one knew about it. But we we didn't remember it. That was the thing. We we must have known, as a faculty, we must have known that they were stored there, but that memory gets lost uh, Mm -hmm. as different people retire. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I, I went through and collected as much as of what I thought was important. And now mm-hmm. I'm trying to catalog it, use, I want to keep the stuff that we can use and also keep the stuff that has some value in terms of the history of the school as well. Mm-hmm. So, so trying to, that's been some of my summer work, trying to work through that collection. Yeah. So you've been c- cataloging it. Have you been cataloging those? Are you trying to set up like a museum booth? In Gilder, or is that is that the vision? Or? Yeah, I think um, trying not to make it a museum. Yeah, trying yeah. to make it something that's useful and interactive. So okay. So one thing, uh, Becca um, uh, Malloy has been really helpful at. Uh, mm-hmm. um, she was our sustainability director in Gilder mm-hmm. Center Quarry for a mm-hmm. long time. She's been really helpful at uh, supporting setting up some sort of cabinet and display that mm-hmm. we can have on the first floor, which uh, it's being created by a local builder using uh, wood that was um, harvested here on campus by Jake and uh, some mm-hmm. other some other people. And 
the goal then is not to just have a display that's static, but then we rotate stuff through. So we might have mm. to take that stuff out of the collection on a theme. Like these are minerals found in the local area. And then another mm. set, well, here's our dinosaur fossil tracks. And it's uh, so cool. Yeah. And so maybe we could have a history of life, you know, and, and the idea is that students would be able to see it first and, yeah. and create it. They would be create, able to look yeah. through the collection as part of our geology class, decide, okay, what do we want to make the theme this year? And then, mm-hmm. and then create the display themselves. And then the mm-hmm. idea is to share. So, so this fall, um, two students, uh, uh, Alejandra, um, oh, sorry, I can't remember Alejandra, uh, Alejandra Metz, uh, PG, yeah, Metz, yeah. Uh, she, uh, she created a, a small display of some of the fossils. So it's kind of show the progression of fossils through time. And really? so we had that on display. And then another guy, um, Sincere uh, Clemens, he, yeah. He uh, created a display with the dinosaur tracks. So that was like a chance to see what this might look like. And they, they created some fantastic uh, displays. I didn't know that. Where, where was that? that they was were out way. in the main lobby of Gilder for about a month. And then I just packed oh. them away like a week ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've probably seen them walking by. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the idea is to have things that we can use. We can use in the class, but also to display, but in a way that changes and doesn't feel like a dusty old um, pile mm-hmm. of rocks. Exactly. And uh, do you think this, you're, because you're definitely uh, passionate in geology and sort of archaeology and sort of looking back and thinking about time, what sort of brought you into physics then? Well, physics was my first subject. That was the thing oh. I studied in college. Um, and my goal was to be either an engineer or a physics teacher. So mm. um, geology came later after I'd been teaching for six years. I went back to graduate school. And it had been a summer class in geology that was my first experience of looking both at at the rocks in a really systematic way, but also understanding the sense of time. Mm-hmm. And so... When I went back to graduate school, I decided I would do that in geology rather than in physics. Mm. And then, but then you still sort of continued on with teaching physics, yeah, and then yeah. uh, ended up at NMH later. Yeah. Um, so after I got my degree, I came here, and the fact that I could teach geology and physics and <laughs> coach crew. That was like yeah. the trifecta. I was like, That's all right, I've landed <laughs> in exactly what I want. A great place too. Have you, did you also have a crew career in your college? Yeah, I or? rode in college. That I took up the sport as a sophomore in college and uh, turned out that it was something that really clicked for me. Really? Yeah, I hadn't seen myself as an athlete before that. I'd done different sports, but I wasn't very good at them. But something about crew really, really clicked. And it was the the sense of measuring yourself against the clock because you're the same <laughs> thing. You're always measuring yourself, your speed on the rowing machine or your speed on the water, mm-hmm. but you're doing it with a group of other athletes and mm-hmm. you have to do it in unison. You have to make sure you're, the timing of every stroke ex- is exactly right. So, yeah. so that part of feeling connected to the rest of the guys in my boat was uh, really really awesome especially when we were successful and and we we had some really good boats so ended up doing it for stayed an extra year in college so i could do all four years of my eligibility yeah really i mean yeah crew is definitely a very challenging sport um whether it's physically or mentally or also just collaboratively 
because you have to get the timing right and it's physically very challenging and it's kind of monotonous in some sense that yeah. it's like the same movement over and over and over so what, what what sort of clicked for you and did you row in a d1 score d3 school or there uh, wasn't, there washington wasn't state a was a rowing against the d1 programs um oh, so wow. so we were uh in the pac-10 conference now okay. it's the pac-12 mm -hmm. so we, there were probably six other schools with rowing teams and so we were we would race uh teams throughout the pacific northwest mm -hmm. um, but also all up and down the west coast and mm -hmm. every once in a while we'd race against the east coast schools but um so my my let's see my my first and second years we were pac-10 champions so um that was the the once i got so, it, that kind of experience so you I was only hooked. started so to get this right you only started rowing in your sophomore year of college yeah and then by those by that spring i made the varsity boat and uh be boat one yeah or yeah already uh, it's the kind of sport that if it clicks and you you have the build and also the there's something about the mental intensity that i was surprised i had to be able to push really hard um, you mean stamina wise and also the willpower wise yeah, I never knew I had that, and, and it was pretty <laughs> cool to... I, I, I think it was really important, uh, but I didn't realize that at the time, that I gained that stamina, that willpower mm -hmm. from my teammates. It wasn't my own sense of, I can push as hard as I can. It was the realization that they were doing it, and it was so fun to be part of that same thing. And, and you yeah. talked about the mon monotony of the doing the same motion over and over again. That's really surprising how how for many kids and and for me too for me and my teammates it was really powerful to be able to try to perfect this motion over and over and over again mm -hmm. and the idea that you're doing the same thing i think that you see that in lots of different cultures that there's uh, that repetition that sense of there's something spiritual about it mm -hmm. and it's not something you can explain through science it's something that's just a a feeling or an experience of as that repetition builds you start to get into this sense of, some people call it flow. Mm -hmm. uh, you might have heard of that term. That's been of a big course. sports term lately. Yeah. But it's also, we called it swing in the, in, the, in, in the 80s. We were calling it, trying to get that right level of swing so that the boat was really moving well together. Mm -hmm. And you had to repeat that motion over and over again. But once it was going, uh, suddenly, yeah, you were free. You were free of the constraints of your mind. You were free of the constraints of your body. And you were just in that moment. And uh, the race would end, and you didn't realize what had happened. Like, you weren't, <laughs> you couldn't remember what had happened. Your body was completely exhausted, but, mm -hmm. but you had this incredible energy to mm -hmm. afterwards. It was a real high yeah, perfect connection to where we started. You lose time. You lose a sense of time in some oh, sense. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, really I did. I think this is really interesting that you mentioned this topic of flow because um, I think w with us, a lot of times, we're sort of racing against time in some sense. Um, well, if we don't sort of live with a purpose or sort of do things, I feel like a lot of times we're sort of being dragged along, you know, just, deadlines upon deadlines upon deadlines upon deadlines there's always something to do in life you know you you get through like you mentioned about the years you get through your 
primary school, oh, there's the middle school application. Oh, you, know, you get through middle school and there's homework, 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 homework. Okay, and now there's high school, work upon work, essay upon essay, bigger assignments, research papers, all that. And then boom, you finish all that and you get the college application. You get through college application. Now you start thinking about internships. You th- start thinking about jobs. And then all, all, all those deadlines come and then you boom and you go into to society and you sort of work in a job. And every day there's like, you know, the deadlines of work, everything. I think time could really be something if, if we don't manage it right. It could really be something against us. Oh, I think it causes a lot of trouble in our society for emotional issues, for physical issues. If you feel like you don't have enough time to get the things you do, you need to get done during the day. You you sacrifice your sleep, you sacrifice your friendships, your relationships for it. And that's a really important, I won't call it a lesson. It's just something we have to relearn again and again and again. What's important? What's our priority? And time, while it's incredibly valuable uh, it should not be our priority the priority is the the person across the table from you it's the person next to you um on the on the bench on the soccer field it's the the people you care about those are the priority and and you know the purpose that you find and once once you find those connections to be strong and you keep working at making those strong i think you you let go a little bit of that sense of time being a burden and it's, 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 it's yeah it's like enjoying the moment yeah being present yeah and finding the flow state and in, in, in the beauty of every single moment i feel like that's one thing that um that phones and technology has really sort of slowly t- are taking away mm. Mm. this sense of enjoying and being in the moment you know you you walk into the dining hall and you see everyone having earbuds on and you know they could be sitting across someone but then they're on their phone you know, just, just, <laughs> just sitting together, but then they're just in the two separate worlds, and feel bad for that because I feel like, yeah, like you said, the moments and every day—that's what really matters, and the relationships—that's what really matters. Because when you, I think that this is one thing that sort of, are getting better at better at grasping. I mean, I've sort of always understood, but like it's better at grasping is is that. The memories that, that we have is sort of what it's really beautiful. And where do memories come from? Memories don't come from, you know, swiping on, on, on an app or, you know, yeah. some, occasionally sometimes. But I, I don't remember anything I see on the, my phone. I really don't. And yeah, I, I get spend, engaged yeah. with it. I'm, I'm interested. Yeah. But if I were asked to remember it. But oh, I can tell you about a race I had uh, 40 years well, Okay, not quite 40 years, 35 years ago. Yeah. I can tell you uh, who moved when, you know, those memories, those intense memories are, are so powerful. So, yeah, and, yeah. And, and what's funny is when I get together with my teammates, uh, they'll have stories that I don't remember anything about. You know, <laughs> I have my memory, they have theirs. And when they remind me of those things, that, that's the best. That's so much fun to, <laughs> to share so those stories. Share, share the stories. Yeah. And speaking of stories, it, I mean, stories is created by time, time and senses, but also stories is it's also a, about memories and about the moments that we have, and and storytelling is very powerful. Do you think? Yeah. Do you think you really value stories? 
I do. I'm not very good at telling stories. I yeah, realize no. that about myself. I Same, yeah. I really appreciate those people who can draw you in with a, a story. story yeah. yeah, because I think, you know, they can set the stage or they set some emotional a connection right away and and you're locked in and you're suddenly you. you're not thinking about oh geez i gotta be here be somewhere else in 15 minutes uh mm-hmm. uh yeah i guess one of the things that i've i've been thinking about recently you know ted talks they're they're they're, yeah. they're cool uh being able to share what you know but they're on such a regimented time clock like you know they're given minutes, yeah. is it 18 minutes yeah. is that what it is you know and i think podcasts similarly like uh the different podcasts i listen to they're all pretty consistent in the time either they're 50 minutes or they're 28 minutes or something that yeah. a good story doesn't need to follow a a, a certain time, time you know yeah. and but it's a it's a really great skill People it is a really great a skill but also Connecting with that because I feel like I'm not a great storyteller either, but that's it's not necessarily a bad thing because I feel like if in society everyone's a storyteller, then mm. you know, well, you gotta listen to you the need, stars. You, you need, need an audience, need, right? You yeah. need an audience too. Yeah. But also, I think um, what what I think which is also with STEM and also with math and physics. I feel like we. I feel like I relate to it a lot. Is is that we 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 analyze concepts. More. We prefer the, um, the de- not the details, but but just the ideas. They explore ideas to talk about, um, you know, just hypothetical situations or just talk about ideas of, of, of things. Not necessarily stories, but um, but talking about something that we we find interesting. And I think yeah, we we would really have a lot of conversation, a uh, great conversation that like we've been talking about this idea of flow and um time management and i really want to come back to this point that you brought up about um prioritizing what is important Mm. in life and sort Mm. of managing your time because sometimes i feel like with with a lot of us we are kind of hectic you know being dragged around by all the deadlines and being dragged dragged around by you know all, all sorts of things and we sort of you know sometimes we get late sometimes we you know, we don't manage our time that well. Do you have any advice for that? Because you've probably had a lot of experience. I, uh, I've never been one who set up planners or, uh, when I was first started teaching, one of the other teachers had this sort of planner planning book system. And I suspect some of my colleagues here remember these, they were sort of, they were helping you to organize your life. So it was a way basically of putting all the um, priorities down in one place, to-do list, yeah. to-do list in one place, having a calendar. And for many people, it was just really helpful to have that structure, to have that ability to have some sense of control over things. And I understand that feeling, that sense of control is really um, helpful at minimizing anxiety mm-hmm. that gets created. Mm-hmm. For myself, it wasn't, that part wasn't important. For me, it was, and I'm not saying it isn't uh, important for many people, mm-hmm. but it wasn't so much about planning and having control. It was just knowing what what was important to me and what was important to the people around me, and then just keeping my eye on that goal. And then if I if I didn't get something done on time, you know that if if it was a priority, then I made sure I worked on that. But if it wasn't a high priority for for me or for the other people around me, mm-hmm. then I didn't stress about it. 
Mm. And, and I recognize there's probably some sense of privilege in that. There's some sense of, well, because of who I am, a white male, maybe I was allowed to do that where other people can't. But the, um, the sense of what's your priority? Mm -hmm. If your priority is managing your time and making sure you get stuff done, if that makes you feel good, then those, those kinds of systems are really helpful. Um, and so great. But if your if your priorities are different, if uh, you know, I just I just want to be able to lose myself in something once in a while. I want to be able to uh, find that deep level of focus. Yeah, yeah. yeah that I, and, and about time, I yeah. can't really make time for that. I just have to be able when it when it's happening. I need to be able to respond to it and and jump in with both feet. You know, and that happens. Like you've probably had this when you get in a conversation no, with somebody here on campus, like suddenly you're talking about stuff. It's like, why did, how did we get talking about this? Uh, and, and you can't plan for that. You can't structure it, but, but when it happens, you just let it go. And, and, and I think if you're able to do that and then take care of the stuff you need to do, you know, you gotta, uh, as an adult, you gotta pay the bills. Uh, you gotta make sure the kids get off to school on time. You gotta make sure the, the house stays clean. You gotta make sure the car is serviced and, but, Keep your mind on what's the most important thing, and that's uh, oh, yeah. fi finding who you are and 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 what makes you feel productive, what makes you feel valuable and happy. Yeah. All the time. I mean, that's uh, thanks so much for pointing that out because I unconsciously, subconsciously search for that feeling of flow all the time because I feel like when when I sort of get into that flow state, when I sort of forget about time, I'm I'm just in it. I'm just present, and I do so well. Like I'll be yeah. sitting yeah. at a table, uh, and say, for example, in the dining hall, and I'll be talking fluently, you know, effortlessly, and then we will be having great conversations. Or I'll be sitting in front of my computer writing an essay, and just ideas keep piling up, and I'll just get my essay done. Or um, playing soccer, obviously. I think that's a, with athletics, the flow is so important. I think that's that's one thing that. I am very grateful to have, or not not necessarily, but in, in the things I'm passionate about, I can really easily get into flow. But <laughs> with the things I'm not passionate about that I just, you know, can't focus. That's, 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 that's hard. And you can't be, you can't be in flow in every part of your life, and you can't be in flow all the time, mm -hmm. even in the best parts, even the parts you're really good at. It comes and goes, and mm -hmm. uh, that's hard. That's the hard part is that there's times where, you know, things are going great. You're feeling really good, really confident. And then something happens that really rattles you. And it's, mm. it's hard to shift back. Uh, and so just having, having the patience with yourself, having the, the knowledge of what it was like when you were feeling in flow or feeling in swing, as mm -hmm. I would have called <laughs> it. Um, uh, I talk about that with my team a lot, trying to, you know, they get into that rhythm, the flow is really working. And then, couple of bad strokes okay shake it off get back into that flow get back into that rhythm uh, and it may not come right away sometimes mm -hmm. you you hit a, kind of a plateau or you hit some uh, some really rough water um, but but the goal is always just keep at it keep working at it and uh, keep your eyes on what your priorities are and you you've brought up this point of priority a couple times and I really want to ask more about this what do you think it, how do we prioritize how do we find what's important in life 
And how do hmm. we just dedicate ourselves to those things? Because yeah. when I look back, for example, last night I was being very conscious and sort of analyzing what I've been doing. You know, a lot of times, yes, I am present and I am, you know, spending quality time finishing work or playing sports or um, spending time with people. But a lot of other times I'm just spending useless times in some sense like scattering my scanning my phone like I, w- I was looking at my phone usage and I'm, I'm seeing like three hours two three hours and I, I didn't I don't even think I'm using my phone in the day so it's it's just like two three hours that just disappear magically in some sense there's that time issue that sense of uh, sometime feels very productive and other times you feel like I'm I'm just sort of here yeah yeah, yeah. I, I don't have any advice on that sorry <laughs> <laughs> I, I do know, like, I'll, I'll, uh, I, I can't be productive all the time. I need some time to shut down. I need to, some time to just have Definitely. fun. I need to Obviously. have time to, um, but, but I think the, the trick is, uh, making sure that you, you are, have a structure in your life that allows you to do both, to, to be, work really hard at the things you care about. And you get to set those priorities. I know it's hard, uh, being, a 18 years old to, to, yeah, cause to feel like you're in control of your priorities. Because one thing I think a lot of people struggle with is a lot of people don't know what, 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 what really brings a meaning or what, what's important in life. And, yeah. and it'll change. It'll yeah, change it, for it you over too. time. Yeah, definitely. Do you, do, do you have, or what was your process like to finding what you really love and doing what mm. you really wanted to do? Uh, sometimes it was a planned process. Like I remember setting out, I was sitting, I, I, I was a backcountry park ranger for, for uh, uh, seven summers um, out mm. west uh, it, in, during college and after. Mm-hmm. And so that was my priority for a long time. And I remember sort of planning out the next stage of my life and thinking about, well, I'll get my teaching degree, I'll do that, then I'll go back to graduate school. So I sort of mapped out a, a plan but I didn't map out falling in love and getting married and having kids. I figured that would come later, and mm. that tended that actually came. That happened in college. Or no, was it was uh, uh, five years after college, five but before years I went college. back to to graduate school. Okay, you know, so th- you you just suddenly your priorities change, and and uh, no longer was I wanting to be out in the the woods all summer. You know, I wanted to be in the city where where my future wife was. I wanted to stay uh, closer to her. I, you know, those things change. Uh, um, at one time, we, uh, we bought a house and we remodeled it. So that was a real focus of, mm-hmm. of, you know, getting to learn all the different parts of remodeling a house. That's not something I ever want to do again. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, you know, I don't need to. Mm-hmm. I feel like I did that. Um, yeah. For me, though, the what constant here at NMH uh, in terms of priorities has always been, and that's what I, I think why I stayed so long here, Mm-hmm. Um, the priority has always been, okay, how do I make a connection with the kids in my class? How do I make a connection with the athletes on my team? Yeah. How do I make a connection with my colleagues? And, and the relation aspect. Yeah, that relationship aspect, I didn't know that was the most important part of teaching when I was taking education classes, but that became by, by my colleagues here, just like my uh, teammates on my crew team. They taught me how important that was. And then that became the priority. How do you make those connections? And it doesn't always work. You know, it doesn't work every day. I don't always have those good connections with my, um, with my classes. I don't always have those good connections with my advisees, but I 
try really hard to keep working at it and building building that. And that's that's definitely and that's something that's very hard to do, obviously, because there are some people who there there are like it's it's there's definitely a saying that says you you, you can't make you know you can't just make everyone like you or you can't yeah, have yeah. a good relationship with everyone you know because it's just not possible it's humans uh, are different and uh somebody told me once sooner or later you're the enemy in somebody's story or the villain you're the villain in somebody's story you're probably are and that is. breaks <laughs> my heart <laughs> i mean but but it's but true though it's yeah. true but yeah. the thing is what what I realized with that point is that the more people hate you or the more, sorry, not hate, but the more sort of, um, the more people can have, the more courage you have to be disliked or the more, more level that you are can be disliked, the more people, other people would love you. Mm. And I think that's mm. a scale yeah. because I think of, you know, say society as like a scale. I mean, we do physics, we do a lot of scales, right? And then at the middle point, it probably is like the balance point of, of you know, just a, just an average person, probably not too liked or not too disliked. If you, But if a person wants to be, you know, really liked by some people, really, really dedicated and all that, there will eventually be people with it to psych it. But because yeah, I, yeah. I think that's the authenticity part. When people start to be authentic, you know, a lot of people would, would like them, but a lot, uh, uh, at the same time, a lot of people would dislike them. So I think that's really a scale. Like, and and I think chasing or chasing being liked is not a good thing. Right. Well, that right. that's one thing I realized because, you know, in a while ago, I used to be this person who tried to fit in, tried to you know make everyone like me. You know, so I would do things and say things and learn things that that just are not genuinely me. But then what happened was I still don't feel great. Like even though a lot of people quote unquote like me, it's it's superficial, you know what I'm saying? But I so so lately I've been just searching to, to just be myself, to do like you said, spend more time to be be in the flow state for the things that really mattered. You know, whether it's podcasting or whether it's playing soccer or whether it's you know, just having good conversation or whether it's just making videos or something. And I think that once I started doing that, um, my relationships had gotten much better because, because automatically I I was sort of, um, it's like a self selection process that to select that who really is valuable and who really can have a good connection that like those people sort of flow up, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And then well, I think and um, part of that. Uh, I'm trying, to, and I'm not always successful at, is how you measure your value. You know, it, it it's something you have to come to terms with, um, how valuable of a person you are. And, mm -hmm. and um, the part about the, the the life's most persistent question, you know, mm -hmm. have you heard that? Um, I think it's a Martin Luther King quote of, what are you doing for others? Mm. That ends up being the most valuable question you can ask, and um, mm. and it's a hard question because <laughs> you do need to take care of yourself. You do need to make sure you're finding value in what you're doing for yourself. But but how does it connect to helping others? And I think that is the 
advice I hear again and again from people I really trust and admire. Bring value to other people. Yeah, yeah. What is what? How, how is what you're excited about and doing? Passionate it's, about. I uh, remember the quote that um, Jack gave: "When your deepest um, hunger meets the well, no, sorry, when your deepest passion meets the world's hunger." Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> finding your vocation. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I remember that quote, so I wrote it down. Oh, but, you, you all, have, <laughs> you students are so lucky. You have these amazing people coming here to. Drop, drop wisdom drop like, wisdom that. like that. <laughs> <laughs> Just, Love oh yeah, that, that's one to remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I try to remember all of these because I feel like um, life is like an, a constant learning process. Mm-hmm. You're, never, you're never, never satisfied. You never, n- the more you know, the more you realize you don't know. The more you sort of open your eyes to see that the the bigger the world seems to be you know and the more you realize there's more to learn and that's scary sometimes and that's scary because my book list is probably like 300 books yeah you're never gonna have enough time to read all of those (laughs) yeah i mean you you we were talking about reading the last time uh when we had a quick conversation you said you happened to have a chance to read a lot of books in a short period of time so how'd that go yeah, once I graduated from college and I was working in the park service in the backcountry, I yeah, I finally got to read what I wanted to read, <laughs> and I had suddenly had all this time to read. Yeah, because you're just sort of sitting in the in the what's it called? What yeah. do you call those? There, the, my first job was an at a booth, yeah, an entrance yeah. station, entrance taking station. people's uh, tickets to come to the park. Ah, oh, that's right. I forgot I talked with you about that. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was pretty memorable because I I was. At that time, I was trying to just make more time to read because I find it so fascinating to to learn. That's well, why I love podcasting so much because I I, I I mean sometimes I do get talkative because you no know, I, I I love I, I I just find find it so interesting. But a lot of times I I, I just enjoy sitting here and listening to wisdom like from people like you. You know what I'm saying? Well, thank you for saying wisdom. I don't I don't always feel <laughs> wise, but. Uh, but it's fun to share. I, I, you, you talked a little bit about um, how scary it is sometimes to realize the, the, um, I forget how you phrased it, the, uh, the, the, the amount of things there are out there. Yeah. And that for me, I think, uh, is really powerful. The when I think about geologic time and mm-hmm. the time at the institution here, is the, the sense of scale of mm-hmm. our time here is so short relative mm-hmm. to all those other things. So there's no way, no possible way you can pack in everything. It's just not possible. It's just, it's a not possible. So mm-hmm. you do what you can with what you have. You take advantage of the opportunities you have, mm-hmm. and you make sure you keep your eye on what your what's priorities important. and what's important. And and you won't get to everything. <laughs> Same. You couldn't take all the classes here at the school, right? You couldn't do that. You can't. Uh, you can't play every minute in the soccer season you know uh, yeah and you can't do all the sports i used to try to play yeah, like yeah. four sp- eight sports but no it's just not possible it's just not and and i think and we have, have to, to be careful to yeah. to help help students uh, that's one of our roles here is help students uh set some priorities for that and the process of elimination and then and then being okay that look i've chosen to do this and and that's uh when you when you can kind of avoid feeling like you have to do everything. There's so much out there and just take it one bite at a time. 
and uh, and it's going to be awesome. <laughs> when it's you scary get. times, you know. It's scary to quit. <laughs> scary to make sacrifices. Yeah, but it's it's essential. You know, it's essential. It's it's a hard thing to do because that's one thing I've been struggling with. I'm not going to lie to you. Is I always sort of find I'm a person that sort of has a lot of passions and and um, I'm a very curious being. So I would find interest in almost virtually everything. Not everything, okay, I'm sorry, I lied. Um, but I would find interest in many, many different mm -hmm. things, like from chess to, you know, soccer, obviously, to, you know, I do podcasting because I'm so curious, but, like, you know, I'm into doing math and physics, but also I'm into, you know, studying some history, some war, um, you know, just, just everything. And, and I always sort of, sometimes I catch myself just in like, you know, 50 different clubs doing like, <laughs> no, that's an exaggeration, but um, doing all kinds of different things. And, and uh, I, I realize that it's, it's not getting me anywhere. Oh, I, I feel like it probably like is. It probably, it probably is, but it's just something. like, it's satisfying, but it's like, I'm just spinning around in some, some ways. Like um, I saw this graph, um, the other day it's it's like uh uh it, it, it um it's it's from this book called essentialism but mm. the the author drew a circle at the center and just said this is you and um he drew a bunch of arrows like uh, all these arrows from this all directions and he said yes that could be you right now you know sort of searching in all sorts of directions and you're doing this and doing that your passion and everything and this is, and the, and the length of the, the, the line is how much effort you have. So it, it was cut out to like very small segments in all directions. But then he drew another graph where it's like another circle, but then it's just like one arrow or maybe two arrows, two very long arrows. Really, so that he was just saying that, yes, in life there are many things that may seem important at times, but that aren't really important. And then we have to really like, know for ourselves what is really important so we spend time in those and actually find depth and i think depth is such an important thing and that comes back to the point of flow and the the things you set as the most important will be different than yeah definitely everyone yeah. has sort of a unique passion or unique style of thinking or unique um set of talents i would i would say mm -hmm. and I think it's really important for ev for everyone of us to sort of pursue in in that, but but it's not saying that like we're just limited. Like for you, you know, you you're a very talented crew to be able to literally just row for one year and then to make B one and win championships. Um, I was lucky too. It was a, <laughs> it was a, a but, moment. But also, you have physics and geo geo um, geology, right? And also all these other sort of things and like the thing about time. And, and I think that's one thing that really needs to know that, that people can't hear is that we're not limited to just one thing. Right. But we right. can't be doing everything. It's about finding the p midpoint of, yes, I have a few essential things that I'm into, but not too much where you spread yourself too thin. Yeah, I think, um, and I think you'll find that as you're going through the college application process yeah, now, definitely. you know, that you, you are able to talk about the things you really care about. Yeah. That's what connects with the, 
people around you that connects with the person reviewing your application. It's not the multitude of clubs that you're involved in. It's the, the way you describe what really moves you. And they have all kinds of questions on those applications to try to and get at that. And they can tell. They can yeah. tell. Yeah. Like, I think depth is what really brings, sorry, because for you, you know, you've put in a lot of time with crew. And if I ask you to tell a crew star, you can definitely be very emotional, very specific. But if I tell you to give me a story about, um, about a dance performance, you'll, you'll be, uh, Oh, let me tell you about <laughs> last right. year's Alice production. That was incredible. <laughs> oh, I mean, okay. Okay. But, but, but okay. <laughs> sorry. But that, that might not be the best of examples, but That's fate, perhaps I hear you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> but <coughs> yeah, I, 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 yeah, exactly. Like you can still find passion in a lot of different mm -hmm. things, but mm -hmm. So uh, it's finding that what what is really important. And uh, con connecting back to time, I really sort of had this last sort of big question. What do you really think the meaning of time and meaning of life is? And what do you think, you know, what, what, what's what's all this for? You know what I'm saying? I got that one down. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think, you know, especially as I get older, um, watching my kids grow up, watching my kids become adults. Um, that sense of what is time for uh, is really is to love one another, is to uh, support one another. That's why we're here. Um, so I, I feel like the there's so much we can do. There's so much we can see and experience. Um, but it all comes back to that, um, you know, we're such a, such a social animal, humans, you know. So mm -hmm. when I look at the fossils, uh, you know, thinking about this little creature that created this shell 350 million years ago, you know, I don't think they had the web of love and support. You know, it was a fight for existence for that little tiny creature. They were building that little shell, making another year, building a brand new shell. You know, they make this spiral uh, as they grew, they would make a new sh new part of their shell to make this thing called um, uh, an ammonite fossil. Mm. I don't think, I think that little creature lived all its life by itself in that little shell, you know, and it took in food. Um, mm -hmm. We're so lucky that we have these social relationships. We have these connections with each other and we have our families around us too, that, um, that that's our meaning so that we're not just little, little yeah. tiny creatures making our ammonite shell for the future, you know. <laughs> and and you would say that um, what really brings life meaning is uh, is relationship. You would say, or yeah, the people we support, the people we're around, the people that care for us, and the people we care for. Mm, interesting. That's what that's what you have this life for, you know, to to and develop how do those you things. Ba balance the, the strive for relationships and. And the social aspect to to what you want to accomplish, say in your job or also yeah, in other yeah, workforces and your right. dreams to to do things, you know. Yeah, I think I mean those are powerful and important, of course. But when you get to the end of your life, you know, I think I've heard this a lot of different ways, different phrases. But uh, you're not going to remember all getting all the homeworks uh, back to the students on time and. Uh, you're not going to remember um, uh, all the hours you spent uh, mowing the lawn. 
you know, or or taking care of the things you have. To, you're going to remember uh, the look in your um, wife's eye. You're going to remember the um, the the feel of your mom's hand on your head. You know, when you were a kid, and you're going to remember uh, holding your your daughter's hand. You know, when mm -hmm. when they were four or five. <laughs> Those are the things you're going to remember. Love it, love it. Um. Once again, I mean, it was it was amazing to talk to you today, and and uh, it was it was I, I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you really for open, having opened me. Opened my in eyes up, and uh, we started talking about time, but then ended up sort of with with relationships, and you, you and I think that's the beauty of time is that I think no, not the beauty of time. Sorry, the beauty of memories and these things is it outlast time a little bit. And I think that's. Do you have you watched mm. Interstellar? Yeah, that's sort of yeah, what that movie is yeah, trying to say yeah. that you know th those there are some things that are just bigger than time. And I think it's the moments that that's the, the great things. I need to think of a title for this episode because <laughs> you talk about a lot of good things. But um, once again, thank you so much for coming here today. It's, I it's appreciate it. It's uh, well, one last question for you. Did you have a good time here today? I did. I enjoyed it very much. Thank you. <laughs> it was a great conversation with you, and always has been. <laughs> Uh, I remember we always have these sort of scattered conversations. And last time you were talking about the goalkeeper that was meditating and all that. But oh, yeah. That's <laughs> right. I, I really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, thank you so much for coming today. And uh, we, we will keep talking, obviously. I hope so. Yeah, <laughs> even after you graduate. Yeah, and keep keep the good relationship that we have. And uh, that's because that's what matters, you know. Um, but for listeners, thank you all so much for listening today. And I will see you in the next episode. Bye-bye. <laughs>